Chapter Three of Unto Caesar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Unto Caesar by Baroness Orczy. Chapter Three fairer than the children of men psalm fourteen verse two hun ravis dost mind thy promise made to menecretia whispered a timid voice in the african's ear ay ay he replied curtly i had not forgotten there was a lull in the trade whilst the scribes were making entries on their tablets the auctioneer had descended from the rostrum panting after his exertions perspiring profusely under the heat of the noonday sun he was wiping the moisture from his dripping forehead and incidentally refreshing his parched throat with copious draughts from out of a leather bottle his swarthy skin streaming with perspiration shone in the glare of the noonday sun like the bronze statue of mother wolf up aloft an elderly woman in a rough linen tunic her hair hidden beneath a simple cloth had succeeded in engaging his attention it had been better to put the child up for sale an hour ago whilst these rich folks st were still at the bath she said with a tone of reproach in her gentle voice it was not my fault rejoined the african curtly she comes one of the last on the list the praefect made out the lists thou shouldst have spoken to him oh i should never dare she replied her voice trembling at the mere suggestion of such boldness but i did promise thee five if i succeeded in purchasing the child i know that quoted the african with a nod of satisfaction mine own child hun rabas continued the pleading voice think on it for thou too hast children of thine own i purchased my son's freedom only last year acquiesced the slave with a touch of pride next year and the god's will it shall be my daughter's and after that mine own in three years from now we shall all be free thou art a man tis more easy for thee to make money it took me six years to save up twenty-five aurori which should purchase my child twenty for her price five for thy reward for thou alone canst help me and thou wilt well i've done all i could for thee merecretia retorted Handravas somewhat impatiently i've taken the titulus from off her neck and set the hat over her head and that was difficult enough for the prefect's eyes are very sharp ten aurori should be the highest bid for a maid without guarantees as to skill health or condition and as she is not over well favoured but this the mother would not admit in weary and queerless tones she began expiating on the merits of her daughter her fair hair her graceful neck until the african bored and impatient turned on her roughly nay 
as thy daughter hath so many perfections thou'lt not purchase her for twenty aurori fifty and sixty will be bid for her and what can i do then to help thee hun ravas said merakritya in a sudden spirit of consolation thou must not heed a mother's fancies to me the child is beautiful beyond compare are not thine own in thy sight beautiful as a midsummer's day she added with a subtle hypocrisy thinking of the ugly little africans of whom hun ravas was so proud her motherly heart was prepared for every sacrifice every humiliation so long as she obtained what she wanted possession of her child arminius quirinius had given her her freedom some three years ago but this seeming act of grace had been a cruel one since it had parted the mother from her child the late senator had deemed merikritia old feeble and therefore useless she was but a worthless mouth to feed but he kept the girl not because she was well favoured or very useful in his house but because he knew that merikritia would work her fingers to the bone until she saved enough money to purchase her daughter's freedom arminius quirinius ever grasping for money ever ready for any act of cupidity or oppression knew that from the mother he could extract a far higher sum than the girl could possibly fetch in the open market he had fixed her price at fifty aurori and merikritia had saved just one-half that amount when faith and vengeance of the populace overtook the extortioner all his slaves save the most valuable were thrown on the market and the patient hard-working mother saw the fulfilment of her hopes well within sight it was but a question of gaining hun ravas's ear and of tempting his greed the girl publicly offered under unfavourable conditions and unbacked by the auctioneer's laudatory harangues could easily be knocked down for twenty aurori or even less but merikritia's heart was torn with anxiety the while she watched the progress of the sale every one of the indifferent spectators might become an enemy through taking a passing fancy to her child these young patricians these stern matrons they had neither remorse nor pity where the gratification of a whim was at stake and was not the timid fair-haired girl more beautiful in the mother's eyes than any other woman put up on the platform for the purpose of rousing a momentary caprice she gazed with jealous eyes on the young idlers and the high-born ladies the possible foes who might yet part her from the child and there was the prefect too all-powerful in the matter if he saw through the machinations of Handravas, nothing would save the girl from being put up like all the others as the law directed with the proper tablet attached to her neck describing her many charms taurus antinor was not cruel but he was pitiless the slaves of his household knew that as did the criminals brought to his tribunal he never inflicted unnecessary punishment but when it was deserved he was relentless in its execution 
what hope could a poor mother have against the weight of his authority fortunately the morning was rapidly wearing on the hour for the midday rest was close at hand menekritcha could watch with a glad thrill in her heart one likely purchaser after another being borne in gorgeously draped litter away from the scene of the mother's cruel anxiety already the ladies had withdrawn now there was only a group of men left around the rostrum hortinus martinus still lounging aimlessly young Exconis, who had not yet found the paragon amongst cooks and a few others who eyed the final proceedings with the fashionable expression of boredom i wonder we have not seen dea flavia this day remarked Escanis to the prefect dost think she'll come torres antonor nay i know not he replied truly she cannot be in need of slaves she has more than she can know what to do with oh rejoined the other of a truth she has slaves enough but tis this new craze of hers she seems to be in need of innumerable models for the works of art she hath on hand nay tis no new craze interposed hortensius martinus whose fresh young face had flushed very suddenly as if in anger dea flavia as thou knowest full well Escanes, hath fashioned exquisite figures both in marble and clay even whilst thou didst waste thy boyhood in drunken revelries she a truce on thine ill temper broke in Escanes with a good-humoured laugh i hath no thought of disparagement for dea flavius genius the gods forbid he added with mock fervour thou dost deserve that i force thee down to thy knees retorted hortensius yet not mollified to make public acknowledgment of dea flavia's beauty her talents and her virtues and public confession of thine own unworthiness in allowing her hallowed name to pass thy wine-sodden lips Escanis uttered a cry of rage in a moment these two friends and boon companions appeared as bitter enemies hortensius martinis the perfumed exquisite was now like an angry cockbird on the defence while siscanes taller and stronger than he was clenching his fists trying to keep up that outward semblance of patrician decorum which the dignity of his caste demanded in the presence of the plebes who knows how long this same semblance would have been kept up on this occasion for hortensius martinus obviously a slave to dea flavia's beauty was ready to do battle for the glorification of his idol whilst Escanes, smarting under the clumsy insult had much ado to keep his rage within bounds if you cut one another's throats now interposed the prefect curtly twill be in the presence of dea flavia herself even while he spoke a litter gorgeously carved and gilded draped in rose-pink and gold was seen slowly winding its way from the rear of the basilica and along the viscus tuscus towards the forum 
in a moment all eyes were turned in its direction the two young men either forgot their quarrel or were ashamed to prolong it in the presence of its cause now the litter turned into the open it was borne by eight gigantic ethiopians whose mighty shoulders were bare to the sun and all round and behind it a crowd of slaves of clients of psychophants followed in its trail men running beside the litter women shouting children waving sprays of flowers and fans of feathers and palm leaves while the air was filled with cries from innumerable throats augusta augusta room for dea flavia augusta the retinue of dea flavia of the imperial house of caesars was the most numerous in rome at word of command no doubt the bearers put the litter down quite close to the rostrum even whilst four young girls stepped forward and drew the silken curtains aside dea flavia was resting against the cushions her tiny feet in shoes of gilded leather were stretched out on a coverlet of purple silk richly wroth with gold and silver threads her elbow was buried in the fleecy down of the cushions her head rested against her hand dea flavia imperial daughter of rome what tongue of poet could describe thy beauty what hand of artist paint its elusiveness have not the writers of the time told us all there was to tell and exhausted language in their panegyrics the fair hair like rippling gold the eyes now blue now green always grey and mysterious the delicate hands the voluptuous throat those tiny ears even filled with flattery but methinks that the carping critic was right when he deemed that the beauty of her face was marred by the scornful glance of the eyes and the ever rigid lines of the mouth there were those who had dared aver that dea flavia's snow-white neck had been more beautiful if it had known how to bend and that the glory of her eyes would be enhanced a thousandfold when once they learned how to weep this however was only the opinion of very few of those in fact who never had received the slightest favour from dea flavia those on whom she smiled with that proud cold smile of hers fell an over-ready victim to her charm and she had smiled more than once on hortensius martinis and he poor fool had quickly lost his head now that she was present he soon forgot his quarrel neither Iscanes nor the rest of the world existed since dea flavia was nigh he pushed his way through the crowd of courtiers and was the first to reach her litter even as she put her dainty feet to the ground Iscanes too and cassius nepos and philippus decius and the other young men there forgot the excitement of the aborted quarrel and pressed forward to pay their respects to dea flavia the aspect of her court was changed in a moment her lectors chased the importunate crowd away making room for the masters of rome who desired speech with their mistress the rough and sombre garments of the slaves showed in the background now 
and all round the litter tunics and mantles of fleecy wool gorgeously embroidered in crimson and gold or stripes of purple crowded in eager medley all at once too the immediate neighbourhood of the rostrum was deserted the human chattels forgotten in the anxious desire to catch sight of the great lady whom caesar himself had styled augustia thus exalting her above all women in rome her boundless wealth and lavish expenditure as well as her beauty and acknowledged virtue had been the talk of the city ever since the death of her father octavius claudius of the house of augustia caesar had placed her under the immediate tutelage of the caesar and left her young and beautiful as she was in possession of one of the largest fortunes in the empire no wonder then that whenever her rose-draped litter was perceived in the streets of rome a crowd of idlers and sycophants pressed around it curious to see the queen of society and anxious to catch her ear this same instant of momentary excitement became that of renewed hope for the anxious mother's heart menecritia with the keenness of her ardent desire had at once grasped her opportunity hun ravis fortunately glanced down in her direction he too no doubt saw the possibilities of this moment of general confusion the five arori promised him by menecritia sharpened his resourceful wits he signalled to one of the lectors below an accomplice too i imagine in this transaction and whilst a crowd of obsequious greetings round dea flavia's litter filled the noonday air like the hum of bees a pale-faced delicate-looking girl was quickly pushed up on to the platform Hundravas very perfunctorily declaimed her age and status of no known skill he said mumbling his words and talking very rapidly since my lord's grace the late censor had made no use of her shall we say ten orori for the girl she might be made to learn a trade as the auctioneer started on his peroration those among the crowd who were here for business and not for idle gaping turned back towards the catasta but the little maid who stood there so still her hair entirely hidden by the ungainly hat her head bent and her eyes downcast did not seem very attractive the lack of guarantee as to her skill and merits represented by the hat and the absence of the tablet round her neck caused the buyers to stand aloof as if conscious of this a deep blush suffused the girl's cheeks not that she was ashamed of her position or of her exposure before the public gaze for to this ordeal her old upbringing had tended born in slavery she had always envisaged this possibility and her present position caused her in itself neither pain nor humiliation she knew that her mother was there in the crowd ready for this opportunity that the present state of discomfort the past life of wretchedness would now inevitably be followed by a brighter future reunion with her mother a life of freedom mayhap of happiness marriage right out of the state of bondage 
children born free no it was not the gaping crowd that mattered the exposure on the public platform the many pairs of indifferent eyes fixed none too kindly upon her it was that hat upon her head which brought forth in her such a sense of shame that the hot blood rushed to her cheeks that and the absence of the tablet round her neck and hunrava's disparaging words about her person others there had been earlier in the day her former companions in armenes household on whom the auctioneer had lavished torrents of eloquent praise whom for the first bidding he had appraised at forty or even fifty aurori the public being over willing to pay higher sums than those whilst here she stood ashamed before them all with no guarantee as to her skill and talents though she knew something about the art of healing by rubbing unguents into the skin could ply her needle and dress a lady's hair nor was a word said about her beauty though her eyes were blue and her neck slender and white and her hair which was of a pretty shade of gold could not even be seen under that hideous unbecoming hat ten aurori shall we say said han ravas with remarkable want of enthusiasm kind sirs is there no one ready to save fifteen the girl might be taught to sew or to trim a lady's nails she may be unskilled now but she might learn providing that her health be good he added with studied indifference the latter phrase proved a cunning one the few likely buyers who had been attracted to the catasta by the youthful appearance of the girl hoping to find willingness even if skill were wanting now quickly drew away of a truth there was no guarantee as to her health and a sick slave was a burden and a nuisance ten aurori then said hun ravis raising the hammer whilst with hungry eyes the mother watched his every movement a few more seconds of this agonizing suspense oh ye gods how this waiting hurts she pressed her hands against her side where a terrible pain turned her nearly giddy only a second or two whilst the hammer was poised in mid-air and hun ravis's furtive glance darted on the prefect to see if he were still indifferent menecritia prayed with all her humble might to the proud gods enthroned upon the hill she prayed that this cycle of agony might end at last for she could not endure it longer she prayed that that cruel hammer might descend and her child be delivered over to her at last End of chapter three